I feel great. Well, come on, man. Can we show some love to Pastor Kenneth, who brought an incredible word last week? What did he say? Purpose and perspective or perspective and purpose? I don't know if I got it right, but or I have it in the right order, man. But that message was fire. And it was challenging because we do need to have the right perspective to operate and walk into our, our purpose. And I love how God um, has been um, speaking to so many people in our church and I'm encouraged, and um, I am still on my L.A. Strong journey. I haven't posted about it or talked about it as much, but I am, as you watch this, oh, man, I'm 61 days in. Isn't that amazing? Can you believe it? Unbelievable. Shout out to Marcellus and Bess Willis, who are not only my friends, but I call them my fitness mentors, right? Mentor, what did you say? Yeah, he's my fitness father. I went to name Marvin, that is hilarious. The next time I see him, that's what I'm going to call him. That is hilarious. Running me up the hills, man, and doing all kind of crazy stuff, man, when I can't breathe. He made me run so much the other day, I thought I had the virus from working out. He's like, you can't catch it like that. Like, I can't breathe. Like, I'm struggling. I thought I had it. Like, it was, it was terrible, but I recovered, and now I'm here to preach a message we're still on the alliterations. Surprise, surprise. And I believe I have enough to make it through the month of October. Right? And so today's message is called discernment and decisions. Discernment and decisions. If you are asking what discernment is, I'm so glad you asked. We as a church need to understand the power of discernment. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, uh, Hebrews 5 verses 7 through 14, and then we're going to get into it. Um, It says this, in the days of his flesh, when Jesus was walking around on the earth as a human, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. And I I think we got to understand the difference between prayers and supplications isn't really my message, but the true word, Greek word for prayer means to exchange wishes. So Prayers and supplications are not the same thing. Prayers are what you go into the presence of God, talking to God about that changes you, and supplications are what you ask for. Should you ask God for things? Absolutely. But when you're praying, you're exchanging something, meaning that when you pray, you can go into the presence of God with anxiety and come out with peace. It's an exchange. And we got to make sure that our prayer life has exchanges. We can go into the presence of God with one desire and come out with another one. We can come in with one thing that we want to do and come out with a different thing. You got to make sure that you, you assess your prayer life. You pray five prayers a day. Make sure that some of those prayers are prayers where you went in the presence of God with one thing and came out with something different. Yes, ask God, give God supplications, but a prayer life is a life of transformation. You change because you pray. So Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Jeez. If you got, if you're God and you're sobbing and you're struggling, yeah, he's keeping it real. He already knew what was going to happen. And he still, he says to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So the fact that he was going through something didn't have anything to do with how God felt about him. And then he said, 
and being made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And, and about this, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Somebody told me recently that, man, this season, man, he's just like, yeah, I think people are just all zoomed out. People are all online churched out. They just need to take a break from hearing the word. Isn't it interesting how hard times can make you dull of hearing? Not hard of hearing. It just becomes, it dulls your senses. And you're just like, I need a break. This weekend, I'm going to go to the beach. Aren't the beaches back open? And you could miss something. Nothing wrong with the beach. But I want to encourage you, you better go on Saturday. Because there is something about the word of the Lord in this season that you're going to need to prepare you for the next one. Don't become dull of hearing. Verse 12 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Ooh, wait a minute. So there's a time frame that God inspired the writer to say there's a time frame between being taught and teaching. You know who he's talking to? The whole church. By this time, you should not have to be taught. You should be teaching. So a healthy church is a church that after a certain amount of time, you can communicate, you can get revelation, and you can share and teach what God is saying to you to another person. And he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Okay, milk, not solid food. You know, I think of when my kids were babies and my wife used to give them milk. Let's just do that there. Keep it, you know, PG, all right? And I remember that my wife had to watch what she ate because even though they were getting milk, they were getting milk that was a byproduct of what she ate. So what she consumed determined what they consumed. If she ate something spicy, they got spicy milk. So he's like, this milk is hot. You put some sriracha in this, mama? My, my son said that. They was getting sriracha milk. <laughs> they was getting sriracha milk. And so the idea and the word picture here is basically saying that when you are milk, you are basically living off of the diet of your pastor. And whether and when you are ready for more, you need milk, not solid food. Solid food is set before you and you digest it and you chew it. I determine what's set before you. So the difference between just give you an example of milk that's really important. Milk is I feed you what God fed me and you get it in the form that you can handle. But when we really grow in maturity, I can set the word of the Lord before you. And you're able to live by it, digest it, get revelation, and change with my assistance, with me, but not because of me. Do you see the difference? And he's saying, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those, here we go, who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good for evil, from evil. Discernment and decisions. He is saying to the church, y'all need some discernment. Bible scholars say by the time the author of Hebrews was uh, inspired to write this letter, his original audience was not in very good shape. 
They had received the gospel, but persecution and other hardships had made them question the validity of Christ's claims. They had begun to neglect their own pursuit of maturity and consequently had forgotten many of the basics of Christian faith. Many of them should have been teachers, but their ignorance made it necessary for them to live on the diet of milk from preachers consisting of the basics of the Christian faith instead of the meat of the word of God designed for more mature believers. So what he was saying is their lack of discernment caused a digression. And he's like, you guys need some discernment. Discernment is not really an exciting word. I'd rather do like blessings and bonfires. I don't know, like something like that, <laughs> right? Doesn't that sound cool? Like blessings and discernment. Like discernment doesn't sound cool. If you want some discernment, make some noise. Nobody's cheering for discernment. But discernment is powerful. Let me just give you the definition of discernment. Now, you got you to gotta realize I'm speaking to a similar audience that he, the writer of Hebrews would have been speaking to. An audience that has gone through such a tough time, it feels like they're digressing. It feels like they're not making, you know, it feels like their faith is fading. And he's saying what they need is not another preacher. It's not another powerful worship service. They don't even need to go back to church. They need discernment and they need maturity. Discernment is, is the ability to judge well. It means perception with the absence of judgment to, with a view obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. So it means I see things with a spiritual perspective, not a natural one. And so what would the enemy do to a church that lacks discernment? Give you a bunch of things to look at with your old fleshly, angry, unforgiving eyes. So when he knows that the church doesn't have discernment, he can throw things for you to look at and focus on because he knows you won't have the discernment to see it with spiritual eyes. To look beneath the surface. It means to judge properly to ask questions and receive guidance from the Holy Spirit so that you can come to the correct conclusion to look at what's underneath the surface. This is so hard to do when the enemy's throwing things at you to look at. I love when Jesus first came into the fold publicly. John the Baptist said something very interesting. You know, when Jesus made his public appearance as an adult, he, he didn't show up and, and walk in and like, everybody, your Lord and Savior is here. Dun, 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 dun. He didn't come in like, hey, 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 I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. He didn't draw attention to himself. That's how I would have walked in. I would have been like, I'm Jesus. I'm going to do that every week. I'm going to find a reason to do that. He just walked in. You know how everybody found out who he was? John the Baptist was baptizing people. Yeah. In the middle of his, all his spiritual stuff, it was going down. Some of the people were getting baptized. And he says, look, his original language was, behold, the Lamb of God. How did he know? He was busy baptizing people, busy doing his religious duty, and had so much discernment, he knew Christ had walked in and had never seen him before. Oh, my God. Can you have so much discernment that you are busy complaining, and all of a sudden you just feel the present? Behold the Lamb of God. Can you see Jesus in the middle of your busyness? 
He had so much discernment, Jesus didn't need to make an announcement. Jesus didn't need to lay hands on him. Jesus didn't need to bless him. All Jesus did was walk in and John the Baptist said, behold, I can see Jesus in the middle of all of this going on. That's discernment. Your ability to spiritually see and discover what God is really doing, even though it isn't clear to everybody else. Oh my gosh. And when you get some discernment, you start feeling lonely because you start seeing stuff and you're like, y'all don't see this? You ever like, imagine going outside and seeing a shooting star that's like shooting across the sky for like 30 minutes straight and you're a crowd of people. And you're like, look, a shooting star. And they're like, where? 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 You're like, right there. Where? Where? You imagine? That's what it's like being a leader following the Holy Spirit during this time trying to get religious leaders to stop talking about politics. Like, can you see Jesus is moving? I know you can't open your building, but can you see? And they're like, where? Where? And sometimes you stop speaking and people aren't listening. God is saying, no, 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 no. I need you to use your discernment. Discernment will help you see something nobody else can see. And when other people can't see it, that means you're discerning. That's why you got to be careful with validation, because sometimes you're discerning what God is going to do in your life. And then you tell somebody about it and they can't see it. So you think it ain't going to happen. God's saying, no, 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 no. They can't see. You discern that. You discern what I'm doing. You can't always preach what you discern. People don't see it. And you can get frustrated. You get frustrated. Discernment is no joke. Let me tell you something that discernment does. It helps you understand what you've been given. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So write this down. Discernment helps you understand what you have been given. The spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So we don't have the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God who lets us know what we have. So if the spirit of God in this verse helps us focus on what we've been given, then what does the spirit of the world do? Help us focus on what we lack. You got to write this down. A person not using discernment is always more understanding of what they lack. It's like what we, oh man, you don't, I don't have this. I don't have that. You know, this person, man, you know, I'm not, I don't have this person. This person doesn't, you could have 10 people reaching out. You have 10 people doing something and you focus on one person who's not. You could have eat well, eating good, live in a great place, but yeah, but we don't have any money saved up for this thing. I want to, you're always living in lack when you don't have discernment. Discernment is so powerful that in the Old Testament that they had people who went into the army that that was their only job. We got some discerning people. Every once in a while, I did it this week. Uh, Jennifer Perkins, she's on our staff and our team. That girl has discernment. And I will text her, are you feeling anything that I'm missing as a leader that I can't see? Because she has so much discernment. They didn't have weapons. They had the mind of God. And they were on the, oh my God, I feel annoying. 
Lord, help me preach this. They didn't have a weapon. They didn't have a sword. They had the mind of God. And David would not go to battle without people who had discernment. Think about this. First Chronicles 12, verse 28 says this. In verse 232, Zadok, a young man, mighty in valor, and 22 commanders from his own father's house. Man, that boy, Zadok be kicking people's butt. Zadok, but beat you down, beat you down. Don't you want Zadok on your team? Of the Benjamite, the kinsmen of Saul, 3,000 of whom the majority had to that point kept their allegiance to the house of Saul. Of the Ephraimites, 20,800 mighty men of valor, famous men in their father's houses. Don't you want them, the Ephraimites? Of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 who were expressly named to come and make David king. And of Issachar, Men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. All the Issachar guys had was discernment. And Bible scholars say that they were experts in the law, God's word. And their job was to discern what God was saying through the word before the warriors went into battle. Because if you went in to battle without discernment, you would lose the, the battle God had called you to win simply because you couldn't see how God was telling you to fight. This is so important. It's so important, and I don't have to get time to get in, but when I did a Bible study, y'all was about to be up here for two hours. Because there was 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. I don't have to get time to get all of them. But number seven, when they went and made their sacrifices to the Lord, or oftentimes they would march and move forward. You know who went first? The tribe of Judah. Judah means thank you, praise. The worshipers went first. So they praised God. That's who we got to get. And here's the crazy thing. Later on, when the kingdoms would be divided, and it was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, God uh, the enemy used division to divide the worshipers. That's who he wants to get rid of first is the worshipers because they go first. Second, if you read number second, number seven, second was the tribe of Issachar. So it was worshipers and discerners, people who knew the word of God. People who didn't have any idols were number one. Judah was all about worshiping God. So much so that Jesus, out of all the tribes he could have come from, he is the tribe of Judah. He's the lion from the tribe of Judah. God's saying, I'm going to pull my Lord and Savior out of the lineage of a worshiper. Not a preacher, a worshiper. And who went next after worship is discerners, people who understood what God was doing, even though in the natural, it seemed like he wasn't doing that. And the third tribe who went after that was the tribe of Zebulun, who were known for their wealth, provision, and supply. We want to be from the tribe of Zebulun. Provision and supply. You do a message on provision, right? If I do a message called provision and postmates, everybody's going to watch that. Blessings and bonfires, provision and postmates. Everybody's like, I wonder what that's about. Discernment? Oh, no, 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 no. But we love the third, the thing that God put third, we want it to come first. He said, no, the worshipers, the discerners, then the provision. You got to understand this. Deuteronomy 33, 
verses 18 and 19. No wonder the building is closed. I feel this so strong. Look what it says in verse 18. Moses said this about the tribes of Zebulun and Issachar. May the people of Zebulun prosper in their travels. They're leaving. It's going down. May the people of Issachar prosper at home. Oh, my God. I feel like shouting. There ain't nobody in here. You pick up discernment at the house in your word and in prayer. You don't pick up discernment going here from there and traveling and trying to get money and trying to get paid. You get discernment in your bedroom when nobody else is there and it's just you and God and your scripture and God gives you a word. He says, Zebulun, I want you to prosper in your travels. Go here and there. Boom, 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 boom. But the discernment, I need y'all to stay at the house for a minute. I need you to be at the house for a minute. I need you to be at the house for a minute so I can build your discernment. So it seems to be, and if I may be taking some creative license here, uh, but it seems to me that discernment can be restricted by movement and busyness. Because the people he had called to prosper, he said, y'all can go. It's the car. You, you prosper at home. And, and Bible scholars say they live right next to each other. So before the Zebulins would move, they would meet with the Because oh, <laughs> they wouldn't know where to travel to without the discerners. Think about this. Think about how God is telling us, I need you to have some discernment because there's some decisions that you need to make in this future. Y'all... I, I got to give you this. Please write this down. I hope you got a pen. If you don't, run and get a pen right now. I'll wait five seconds. This is why you need discernment. Your discernment shapes your desires. Your desires shape your decisions. And your decisions, I didn't say it right. Your decisions shape your destiny. So how... Can the enemy come after your destiny in the end by damaging your discernment in the beginning? Because bad discernment, wrong desire. Wrong desire, wrong decision. Wrong decision, no destiny. Wrong destiny. Do you, do you, what is destiny? It's a root word of destination. So in order to reach my destiny, I have to be on the right destination, and he wants to change my path by damaging my discernment. So I go this way when the promise of God is that way. What did, what did, um, the, um, what did, uh, is that who, um, the Migos, didn't they say that? That way. That's what they said. That way. And the enemy tries to dangle something in your face to make you go this way, when the promises of God are seen through discernment that I'm supposed to go that way. This is so important. And discernment is cultivated according to scripture at the house. What are you cultivating in your home? What are you, cult are you cultivating discernment at home so when you travel You'll be like Zebulun, prosper in all of your travels because they were rolling with people at home who had discernment. They were able to see spiritually what God was doing. You guys, you guys, you guys. 
Discernment is no joke. Discernment is also the, the ability to, be, to tell between good things and bad things, good and evil. That's why some of us are so miserable, because we have discernment. <laughs> you can tell when something's off. You ever walk, be that person walking around like, something's off in here? You know what I mean? In the world, they call it vibes and energy. And, but spiritually, it's called discernment. And often you're discerning something God is doing. You're never discerning something God doesn't know about. So then you make sure your discernment doesn't come in, it turn into judgment. Do you get what I'm saying? So you're, you're able to see, oh man, this, this election, but you're not worried about it because God is not like, yeah, really? November's going to be crazy? I often tell people with the gift of discernment, you got to make sure you understand that God is revealing to you something he's doing, not something that needs to be done. He's, 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 you're discerning something he's doing. God's not in heaven going, man, that devil. He's killing us. He's like James Harden from three. Like, we got to stop this guy. Double team him. No, God thinks the devil is light work. He sent Michael the archangel to kick him out of heaven. It's not God versus the devil. The devil works through deception. And it's easy for him to deceive people who have no discernment. Because the decision is your own. He wasn't even there. And he gets the credit for your decision. But really, it's your discernment that produced. Do you get where I'm going with this? I'm telling you, we need discernment. We need to be able to see what God is doing when the enemy's trying to show us something else. It's perception. The perception Kenneth was talking about, Pastor Kenneth was talking about, comes from discernment. Do you guys understand the value of discernment? And you got to make sure discernment is a powerful gift because you'll start picking up stuff about your cousin and them. You'll start. You got to be careful because it's like the difference. Between, you'll start. Oh, you trying to manipulate me? I'm discerning that. You got to be careful. Some of the most miserable people I know are people who have discernment without love and grace. Because if you have discernment without love and grace, you only pick up bad things. You got to make sure that you, you, you balance it out and you're picking up good things. So how do we get this discernment? How do we get this perspective on the way God sees a situation? How do we know the difference between good and evil? How do we know? How do we get it? The main way we get it is the word. The main way we get it is the word, not the preaching of the word, the logos word, the Bible. You know how many believers, they say that that, that some stats came out that far less than 50% of professing Christians actually ever open their Bible. Far less than 50%. That's an attack. Because it's after, he's after your discernment. That's why we put in this LA Strong, the word of God has to have more priority. It can't just be I tune in the Sundays, Kenneth hit it dead on. Like we need discernment. And watch this Hebrews 4:12, we discern from the word. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the, 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 the word of God helps you discern whether or not this is you or God, whether it's them or God. It helps you discern. The word of God helps you divide and separate your soul from your spirit. Your spirit, the, the part of you that's renewed with faith in Jesus, it always knows what God wants to do. Your soul 
that's been affected by Ezel and them that you never should have dated in the first place and all these fools, like your past, your soul, primarily your past lives in your soul. Your future lives in your spirit. So your soul tries to bring up your, oh my God, I just feel like preaching today. I'm sorry. Your, your past lives in your soul. So word of God, your future lives in your spirit. If you're going to have a future, you got to be living in the spirit to get to your future. Your past has already affected your soul. What does the word of God do? Divide between soul and spirit. Divide between soul and spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? So then if my, if, is this how I feel or is this God? Does that make sense? You need the word of God to do that. The second way that we um, build discernment is through prayer. Ephesians 1, 16 through 17 says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Somebody needs to pray a prayer today. Lord, give me wisdom, insight, and discernment. And I'm not an expert, but the third way that I have found that you can gain discernment, one is the word of God, your study. Again, that's meat when you prepare a meal in God's presence with the word for yourself. And the other one is when, you know, obviously somebody preaches to you, but mainly that, just getting in the word for yourself and then prayer. And the third way, and it's a little longer, but a humble and reverent desire to be partnered with mature believers who have different spiritual gifts than you do. There can't be too many pastors in a room. You know, what I can tell you a pastor was like, it's just all about loving people, right? It's all about loving people. There's just no love. Like, it's, if we would just love, I can tell you a pastor, if we just, if everybody would just love, true, love is powerful, but that's not all we need. We also need the word. Teachers say, it's just about the word. You get some word and you'd be all right. Evangelists, like, we just need to reach people for Jesus, just, just Jesus. We got to reach the people. We're going to reach this city for Jesus. And the teacher's like, yeah, and teach them the word. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> he's, he's like, no, 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 no. Not teach them the word. Reach them for Jesus. Like, see their hands raised at the end of the service? And when we're going to teach them the word? That's the teacher, right? And the prophet is like, the prophet is the one who, he, he is the mouthpiece of God. So he has revelation. He knows God. Does that make sense? But prophets can be judgmental if they're not careful. So you have all these different gifts. I'm going to read to you Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles. These are people who can uh, start movements of God through their development of leaders. One of the reasons why churches are crippled because they don't let apostles on their teams. Like, I'm not talking about volunteer. I'm talking about apostles, someone who can develop someone to achieve the will of God. The prophets... People who hear and understand what God is saying. The mouthpiece of the evangelists. People who um, have the gospel message burning in their heart. The pastors, the shepherds, the ones who in intimacy can take people from one place to another. And the teachers, the people who are training people. All in, in the word of God, all these people. They come together to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What did we read in Hebrews 5? That maturity is having discernment. So all these gifts come together. So if you don't have evangelists, you have a church that knows the Bible but doesn't know the gospel. 
And then if you have too many evangelists, they know the gospel. We're saved by grace. <laughs> saved by grace. Still smoking and carrying on and drinking because you just, you just know the gospel. But you're not mature. Does that make sense? Like I, you need all these gifts together because the prophet will be able to tell you, you have a habit that is going to, but we don't want to hear from that guy, right? Because prophets don't fill churches. Evangelists do. Does that make sense? It's like, I'm, I'm all these five gifts. Many Bible scholars call this the five-fold ministry. And right now, most churches are ran on the one-fold ministry. Whatever the lead pastor has, that's whatever. So lead pastor's a teacher. They all hate each other's guts. They know the word, though. Lead pastor's evangelist. So many people come to church, but none of them know God. So, so, so discernment comes from, from prayer, the word, but all of us using the way that God has uniquely gifted us us and coming together in unity to do the job of raising people up in maturity and discernment. It's, it's coming together. So those three things. This is so powerful. I want to tell you about the richest man who ever lives, a man by the name of Solomon. And how do you think Solomon got his money? How do you think Solomon became rich? Solomon was balling out of control. Just using other amigos. He was in the kitchen, wrist twisting like a stir fry. It's funny. Man, that dude was breaded down. His money was so tall. No, I'm not going to keep going. <laughs> and I would think, man, that he did something special to, to earn this money. But 1 Kings 3, verses 9 through 13, uh, Solomon said this prayer. So give. This is after he was going to be crowned king. King of Israel. And this was his prayer. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for discernment and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment for administering justice. <laughs> Woo! So much racial injustice because there's no discernment. It's people making villains out of this people, enemies out of this people. What it is, is it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not God, it's not the devil, it's just white privilege. That's what it is. And if we get some white people to address the fact that they have white privilege, woo, black people are finally going to get. Now, is there such a thing as white privilege? Sure. But discernment says, is that what God is saying? Do you think if Jesus came right now and got in the middle of this situation of what's going on in America, do you think that Christ is going to go, you know what it is? It's white privilege. That's what it is. And if we deal with that, who Ben, you finally going to get all them things you've been praying about. I'm good, but I'm not good enough to transcend the privilege of someone that doesn't look like you. 
So everything that is you've been praying for and obeying me for, I'm pretending to be Jesus, is banking on what that person does, not, how, not my goodness. And so what happens is it makes us lean into that, and we read all these books, and God is saying, I just need one person, maybe even a black man, to say, Lord, is it white privilege? Is it, is it the conservatives? Is it the liberals? Lord, give me discernment. Give me discernment. Give me a discerning heart. I want discernment in my heart. I want discernment in my heart. And then Solomon said something that I just can't shake. He said he needed discernment to lead this great nation. What about Israel was great? Can I ask somebody? Anybody read the Bible prior to 1 Kings? Tell me something great that Israel did. The idol worship? The disobedience? What about in the wilderness when they complained about the manna? Because anybody, I mean, if we got anybody who's been to Bible college, what, what did Israel do that was great? He was discerning what could happen. Oh, my God. What about Israel? This great people, this great nation of yours? What about this great nation? What's so great about the nation? I can't find anything great about the nation. So God's saying, you're asking for discernment for a great nation? What if God was like in that moment... I know Solomon has never seen anything great in the nation of Israel, but because he can see what it's going to be, I'm going to make him the leader. I was seeing this interview and, you know, we have this thing in, in in our country that I really believe is needs to shift where we are so concerned about what's happening in America. We're missing what's happening in the kingdom. We're not discerning what's happening in in the kingdom. And so there's things that the enemy sets up to make you feel triggered if you feel marginalized. And one of those things that would make me feel triggered sometimes when I would hear that, you know, this slogan, I'm just going to say it. When I see your, your hat, God bless America, and I'm like, man, I don't always feel that way. Or when I hear certain slogans about, like, make America great again, I'm like, is it great? Who's it great for? Is it great for you? Is it great for me? Well, what God is asking us to do is the greatness of what we've been given is this nation through discerning on how God wants to move in it not what we see naturally. And so the reality is, I love that you're wearing this hat because I really believe in my core, God wants to bless America. And if you don't feel blessed in America, it is simply because there are believers who lack discernment. Because God is not trying to bless America. He's trying to bless Americans, his sons and his daughters who walk with... This is not about... The, 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 this is not about what we feel about what we're experiencing. Yes, all that stuff is involved, 
But if we don't, we don't see the greatness of what could be, oh my God. I see certain things in America. I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying and what the Lord's been showing me through discernment is he's been having me look at Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King was discerning. He said that the Lord took him up to a mountaintop and showed him. The slaves, owners, sons, and the, the sons of the slaves sitting together at the table of brotherhood. He saw it. So he's able to do the work because he was discerning that it was God who wanted it. And you got to understand this. You got to understand this. If you are triggered by this politician or you are triggered by that politician and, and, and you have to understand that God is asking you to get on your knees and ask for some discernment, because if you don't have discernment, you are about to make a decision that's going to ruin your destiny. I'm being honest. And I know because of the place in God's soul, that, in my soul, that God has had to check as a black man in America. He said, there's moments where as a black man in America, you don't feel a certain time. But are you a black man in America only? Or are you a son in my kingdom? Because I never once, and this has been so healing to my soul. God says to me, this, there is a reality of living. Hear what I'm saying. There is a reality of seeing all this stuff on the news, black man in America. But God said, where did I tell you in my word that you were a black man in America? I said, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Where did I tell you you were that? So then my discernment brought me out of the muck and the mire of inequality and brought me into the discernment perspective of royalty. And now from a position of royalty, I can do something about inequality. <laughs> Woo! Lord, I'm about to, you're going to do something in my life that is going to shape and, and, and make America what it should be in your kingdom. I know you're going to do it because I'm on my knees saying, Lord, you got to give me discernment to help be a leader in this great nation. I know it doesn't look great, but I see it in the spirit that this is a great nation, that the spirit of the Lord is upon this nation to bring the good news to the poor and that righteousness and holiness is raising up in the deep recesses of your church and I need discernment so I can make the right decision. I need to make the right decision. I'm tired of being mad. Give me discernment. I'm tired of being angry. Give me discernment. I'm tired of hating people. Give me discernment. I'm tired of being judgmental. Give me discernment. I'm tired of not loving people the way you love me. Give me discernment. The Bible said while we were still enemies of God, that Christ died for us. It's not just that he died. Even a good person will die for another good person. He died when we were enemies. I need discernment. I need a sermon. And in your discernment, 
Holy Spirit, I hear you saying to me that equality is when God remembers what people forgot. I don't need people to remember. You remember. Give me discernment to be a leader in this great nation. Come on, invite the worship team to come on. We need discernment. We need discernment. Help me see God. Help me see God. We need discernment, Lord. I want to see this country the way you see this country. I want to see my brothers the way you see the way you see them, Lord. We need discernment. Give me discernment to be a leader in this great nation. I hope it pleases you that I'm asking for this. I could ask for change. I could ask for justice. I could ask for blessings. I could ask for money, Lord, but I'm asking for discernment. And I want everybody who calls Oasis home to join me. There's so many other things we could ask for, but I feel like the Bible says the Lord was pleased that he asked for that. And so I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I want us as a church family to be pleasing to the Lord. Whatever you're at, just maybe... If you're driving, pull over if you can. If you're at home, just just sit down or get on your knees before the Lord, whatever you feel comfortable with, and just ask the Lord for discernment. The ability to see what God wants you to see so you can make the right decision. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We can't triumph if we're too busy being triggered. Give me discernment. Lord, we pray for our president. Give him discernment. Pray for President Trump. Give him discernment. We pray for Joe Biden. Should he be elected? Give him discernment. We pray for Congress. Give him discernment. We pray for our governor, Gavin Newsom. Give him discernment. Our mayor. Eric Garcetti, we need discernment. We need people to see what you want them to see. Give your church discernment. I want to open up the building at the right time, Lord. Give me discernment. I can't always see it on the surface. Take me deeper, Lord, and give me discernment. I humble myself before you and ask that you would show me the things that deep down I really don't want to see. Because I want discernment. In Jesus' name, amen.